0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. It is currently 2.52 p.m. East Coast time. It is Tuesday, November 19th, and we're going to take our initial look, break down the slate of this week 12, actually, I was going to say 13, don't get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, Week 13 is going to be nice, though, because of Thanksgiving, some fun slates, but week 12, not getting ahead of ourselves, a a nice 11-game slate for the NFL before we get into it. Welcome to the channel. If you are new here and the podcast, my name is Sal Vetri, and I do indeed cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB streets. NBA content is going out every single day on the channel in form of DFS help uh, breakdowns. Check that out if you are so interested, also on the podcast, and then also the NFL stuff going out every single day here and on my exclusive content over on Patreon. If you want to support the exclusive content, get access to it. You like what I do over here on YouTube in the podcast link down below in this description of the video or the podcast description will be a link over to Patreon where I do have exclusive content, more podcast episodes, all my data sheets that I use, my projections, loads of stuff over there about 25 to 30 to 35 hours a week. Now at the NBA that I spend on Patreon content along with about 10 to 15 hours per week on YouTube. My social medias are linked up down below. Instagram exclusive content in terms of posting stories and and, and also uh, just Instagram posts where I announce that some things are going to be free for a couple of hours, maybe even the entire day that is over on Patreon. Only people who follow me on Instagram will know about that, linked up down below, as well as my Twitter at DFS. And yes, there is a link down there to some free strategy guides as well if you want to learn more about NBA DFS and or NFL DFS overall. So check all that stuff out. If you want off my daily fantasy NFL course. That can also be found by just commenting down below, hey, can I get that coupon? spent about uh, 10 hours to 15 hours of videos in that as well as a lot of other guides it seems to be something that people have had a at least the feedback on it seems very good over the past couple of months so thank you i appreciate all that the support has been overwhelming this nfl season if we continue to have subscribers and reach 20,000 by christmas we'll have to have a really cool giveaway but i do appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button we're going to get into this video hit the five star rate interview on the podcast those are the things that help generate the most growth for this channel it allows youtube to rank them a little bit better more people find the videos, watch them, increases watch time, makes it easier. Same thing for the podcast in terms of listens and downloads, makes it easier for them to rank higher and reach more people. And again, allows me to do this totally for free on the YouTube side of it. Um, It makes it meaningful, right? For other people, if they can see it. So that's cool. Okay. Let's get into the slate. We'll go position by position as we always do. Always love the feedback in the comment section as long as it is, of course, appropriate and respectful. Otherwise, uh, we will probably hide you. But this is what we're going to do here is the the quarterback section for the week early on. I don't know. Nothing stands out crazy. Seven guys here um, that I have listed. Three of them stand out as yeses. The rest, I don't know. It's kind of middle of the pack guys. Like Russell Wilson is a yes for me right now. But you know what? As we do this live, doing it live, I'm going to make him a maybe. Look, they only have a 23 team total. They're actually two-point road underdogs against the Eagles this week who are banged up with their defense defense improving definitely against run all season but even the secondary of the Eagles if you haven't been paying close attention four or five weeks ago since Jalen Mills returned and you got a healthier Vontae Maddox you got a healthier Ronald Darby the secondary has been pretty stout so they've looked really good and yes I would say stout when you have two of your cornerbacks that have one in Jalen Mills below a 50 Pass rating again since he returned and another in Ronald Darby, a career best over the last four to five games below a 100 and close to a 90 pass rating. They've looked very good and we just saw what they did to Tom Brady and the ageless wonder and Tom Brady, I guess you can say, but not as great so far this year and, and their offense uh, and not really a well built offense, but still holding them to 17 points. And not really much in the passing game. And when Julian Edelman throws the only t- passing touchdown, there's obviously upside to have faith in the secondary. But you get Russell Wilson, and I mean, I love the quarterback. But 6,800 is he worth it? Now, obviously, he's been an MVP candidate, top two MVP candidate probably this season. On this slate, he leads all quarterbacks in fantasy points per attempt at point seven four three. So yes, he is. He's probably worth it. But you have a very tough matchup for the rookie who is priced up in DK Metcalf against Jalen Mills on the outside. You know, they banged up Tyler Lockett, who they say is hopeful to play this weekend, who will have probably the best matchup in the slot against Avante Maddox and a mixture of Sidney Jones. But even with that, like, who do you pair this guy with? Jacob Hollister has been good, but Ed Dixon should be back and and Hollister's price is coming up. Ed Dixon should cut into his snap count. So I don't really I feel okay getting to Tyler Lockett if he is fully healthy, and that's a big if right now early in the week. But then DK Metcalf, it's interesting because his price tags up in a tough matchup. I don't want to stack him there. So Russell Wilson at sixty eight hundred, your team only has a twenty three team total. It's very odd to want to spend that much money on a guy who has a lower team total than a handful of guys. And really, I mean, he's the most expensive quarterback. So a handful of guys who are going to contribute directly to their team's total, throwing 40 times per game. The two other guys that I have as yeses um, and for cheaper price points with much higher total. So one of them has a higher total. Yeah, this is a spot where I have interest in other players and we'll see how the week unfolds. Wilson, on his own right, can score a lot of points, but who do I stack him with, and is it enough to cover a $6,800 price tag? Maybe. Uh, But for right now, I'm going to have just uh, secondary interest in him. My two top interests as of right now at quarterbacks, starting with Matt Ryan. They both come from this game with the highest total on the slate at 51. Matt Ryan, Atlanta versus Tampa Bay here. Look, they have a 27.5 team total that is tied for the highest on the slate with the Saints and actually the Cleveland Browns against Miami. But the thing that's important here, they're only four-point favorites. Unlike the Saints and unlike the Browns, who are eight and a half and 11-point favorites, those games can become very run-heavy and not force the hand of the quarterbacks to throw 40-plus times, which usually leads to better tournament outcomes when you're throwing more, right? More attempts equals more production, more fantasy points, more money. So... Matt Ryan's averaging 39 pass attempts per game, and that's second on this slate, um, or third on the slate now with Tom Brady throwing a lot, 40.2 times per game for Brady, and then 40.6 for James Winston, who leads the slate. Third is Matt Ryan. He's actually having a very nice, sneaky year just based on how bad his defense has been until the last two weeks since their pass rush has picked up. It's allowed their secondary to some of these gaps in the holes in this Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield secondary have looked, and also you have another interception by Desmond Trufant last week, have looked a little bit better when the pass rush forces people to make mistakes and get the ball out quicker hides up some of the holes of your secondary so yeah i mean matt ryan against tampa bay's um, defense they're they're obviously a pass funnel defense it's a great spot now he still has no austin hooper no Devonta freeman we saw brian hill Um, i don't know if people actually really i I know they did at 40 percent own played brian hill with confidence which is uh, again we said it on this channel nonstop last week was a donkey move i don't know how much they're going to rely on him now this week uh in a spot where you have a tougher opponent in tampa bay And I don't know if he'll be up by 20 all game and and getting the 15 carries that he got last week and one reception. So yeah, I'm going to say that Matt Ryan is going to rely heavily on his three wide receiver sets. Um, The Calvin Ridleys of the world, the Julio Jones, and both of those guys have fantastic matchups, especially Julio on the outside. And then Russell Gage in the slot, all of good matchups. Matt Ryan right now grades out as a top two quarterback for me early in the week. The other guy who leads the slate in attempts that we were just talking about, Jameis Winston, 40.6 pass attempts per game. He is right now second on this slate in passing yards per game, only behind Dak Prescott, 307 point eight passing yards per game for james winston and he gets this atlanta secondary that coming into this slate right now is ranked third in how many fantasy points per game they allow Or actually tied for second fantasy points per game allowed to the quarterback position only behind his own defense in tampa bay so james winston too priced too cheap it's 6200 way too down he, he stands out on a point per dollar basis as the guy who i really want to get to the most when it comes to tournament stacking you have the two clear options in evans and godwin it gets a little bit murky after that with O.J. Howard's status up in the air in terms of, is he going to start? Will he continue to be benched? Cameron Brate sees a record high 14 targets for a Tampa Bay Titan ever last week. And I don't know if you can really rely on that moving forward, depending on if O.J. Howard is out at the doghouse or not. That's a big if once again. And then you saw Scotty Miller on the outside, a receiver, a younger guy who they've had a lot of hype in, a, a fast receiver that in the preseason, Bruce Arians was, was very adamant about making the team regardless of how much run he got because he was injured in the preseason. He made the team and he had six targets last week. There's only been two times this season that a guy named Mike Evans or Chris Goblin has had six targets or more, not named Mike Evans or Chris Goblin, and be coming into this game. And then in this game, two guys have it. You have Cameron Bray with 14, and then you have, and I think that was the second time Bray had six plus, and then you had Scotty uh, Miller with six. So. I think Jamison, or Jamison, I think James Winston against Land is a good matchup. Again, Isaiah Oliver, Kendall Sheffield, Desmond Truffaut, all these guys are not a great secondary. It is important to note that, obviously, Atlanta's secondary, or Atlanta's pass rush, has looked a lot better as of late. This projects out for me right now to be the second fastest pace game on the slate, aside from New England and Dallas. So it is a spot where I, I do enjoy getting to James Winston here. Oh my God, but Sal, he throws four picks a game. He had four interceptions last week and 22 fantasy points. He had a fumble. He didn't lose the fumble. So four interceptions, two of which were not his fault, if you saw the O.J. Howard run, and then another deflection. But still, making the mistakes, uh, throwing behind his receivers is going to lead to those types of mistakes and deflected INTs, which are partially your fault. So yeah, I do think that that is a concern. Obviously, losing eight fantasy points on interceptions, but it also forces him to throw the ball a slate-high 40.6 times. So it kind of balances out. Honestly, if you told me how many interceptions I would want James to throw, In a fantasy game, most quarterbacks, I would say, throw zero. But for Jameis Winston, I think throwing two is actually more beneficial to his overall ceiling and scoring because then it just allows him to throw the ball much more. And this matchup where Atlanta has been pretty good on the ground, I do like getting to Jameis at quarterback. And then just my middling interest, Drew Brees is an eight and a half point favorites against a secondary that has been pretty solid so far this season. You saw Dante Jackson get roasted by Calvin Ridley last week, and that's really the only time that's happened. James Bradbury has been very shut down. I imagine you see James Bradbury on Michael Thomas. <clears throat> I don't know if James Bradbury will move into the slot to guard Thomas. Thomas goes into the slot about 30% of his routes run. Bradbury has yet to go into the slot this season, even in shadow matchups. So I'm not really sure he follows him there. So there should be upside regardless for Michael Thomas. But outside of that, I mean, you have Kamara coming out of the backfield, probably not much there on the ground, but as an eight and a half point favorite, Breeze is throwing 34.2 times per game. And that number is skewed downwards because I think it's factoring in the game he left early. So he's actually scoring or throwing closer to the low to mid 40s he probably leads the slate on a smaller sample if i actually factor out that one game which is good to see it's just a tougher matchup here he's definitely interesting to me 6600 you have an expensive pairing option with alvin kamara and michael thomas after that you're kind of taking stabs on does jared cook score the touchdown trick smith or ted Ginn? last week it was Ginn and jared cook um but it could be anything this week so he's not a priority for me i prefer matt ryan at a similar price point and jameson jameson i keep saying james winston at a cheaper price point Baker Mayfield is interesting, but I really don't know if I get to him anything other than cash. And even then, I don't really want to get there. Like the matchup against Miami is nice. Again, they're tied for second with the most fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position, 22.6 per game. And Baker's looked okay as of late, right? At least I would say better in the last two weeks than he has on this little two-game winning streak um, for Cleveland. You get Miami here who does not have much of a pass rush or a secondary or really anything. Bottoms in tackling as well but who do you pair him with we'll talk about Jarvis Landry my concerns there I don't want to pair him with Kareem Hunt who is a priced as if he's he's anything more than a under or overpriced slot wide receiver based on his role in this offense I'm not going to pair him with Nick Chubb it's really you just pair him with seven thousand dollar Odell and then at that point I don't think I have enough upside Baker not really using his legs all that much this season so yeah it's not a spot that I have a lot of confidence in in tournaments even in the good matchup and again they're 11 point favorites so it's a nice spot to have a five or six carry game for Kareem Hunt and a 22 to 25 carry game for Nick we've seen 47 rush attempts over the last two weeks for chubb and 10 for kareem hunt so it could see it could be that there's a lot of carries coming this way um if that's how often they're running just over the last two weeks alone now you're going to be an 11 point favorite Sam Darnold and Jeff Driscoll round out my interest. Darnold, I mean, you have a priced up, uh, Jamison Crowder. Um, finally got the right name right there instead of Jamison Winston, Jamison Crowder. Uh, a priced up Jamison Crowder is not appealing to me. Robbie Anderson's very inconsistent. Darnold's really just a cash play for me against a banged up and a and a bad Oakland secondary. And then Jeff Driscoll seems like the best cash play of all of them. He's the cheapest, best cash play in terms of this Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold type of cash range. But Jeff Driscoll, all the way down, has more mobility. 88 rushing yards in his two starts so far this season. Had a score last week. He's looked okay, and at 5,500, you're not asking him to score you 30 fantasy points. He gets you 18 to 20, and you're feeling happy. And if he can acquire you 30 yards on the ground, and now he's facing another bottom 10 pass rush, ninth worst in the league is Washington, it seems like a spot where Driscoll, at least early in the week before I do more in-depth research, looks to be in a good situation. You also factor in that his wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, has a great matchup against Josh Norman. Other wide receiver on the opposite hash mark in Marvin Jones might be taken away in this game by quentin dunbar who's been sneakily one of the best cornerbacks in the league this season a low 50s 52 pass rating against this season so i like the upside in terms of the mobility of jeff driscoll here and when his number one target is facing josh norman who has 130 pass rating against this season it seems nice let's go over to running backs look honestly i'll be honest with you guys this slate features a lot of disgusting games go look at these games there's like two that are appealing this week it's it's really brutal The fact that the Packers and 49ers got flexed to the night game, this slate is is just disgusting. It's a lot of good defenses versus a lot of bad teams. It's a lot of bad teams versus a lot of bad teams. You have a lot of good teams on the the, the Sunday and the Monday night games. Um, You have great teams on bye this week when it comes to um just uh, I can't even think of the teams that are on by off the top of my head but I know that you have just fun teams right like the Cardinals obviously bring some upside to the table in, in departments there so it's not the greatest of slates at all so you're really lacking value on the this slate in my opinion at running back even at wide receiver at tight end you could always punt so there's not much value early in the week here so going to running back McCaffrey It's going to be tougher to get to him, but yes, his price point hasn't changed now in three weeks, and this is a guy who got there last week on 25 touches. Only 14 carries on the ground while his team lost by 26. He had 11 receptions for over 110 yards. This guy is just absolutely bulletproof matchup-wise. You would think Sean Payton maybe can scheme with the defensive coordinator to take him away, one of the better coaches in the league, but even then... I'm not convinced it can happen. McCaffrey has just been so good. It doesn't matter. Like, even if you shut him down on the ground, which they didn't last week, he still had five yards per attempt. They just were down so big they couldn't run all that often, only 14 rush attempts. He's going to be like the number one priority in checkdowns for a guy like Kyle Allen and most quarterbacks, but Kyle Allen, who once is pressured at all, which he will be against the Saints pass rush, is a, an absolute potato. He, he turns into not Ryan Finley bad, but not great. I can't believe people are saying Kyle Allen is the answer to Cam Newton. You guys are crazy. Alvin Kamara I do like at 8200 he seems too cheap here look he ran 13 times last week so there might be a split with Latavius Murray but it's just a Mark Ingram role Murray ran 10 times Alvin Kamara played his 65 percent of the snaps or so like he did last week which was the Mark Ingram role which has been the role for well the Mark Ingram role last year that Latavius Murray seems to be in which has been pretty much the role all year if they're not trailing big like they were two weeks ago uh, when Kamara played in his first game back 78 percent of the snaps because they were trailing so if you get a 15-carry game out of Kamara, that's normal for his career. He'll carry 15 and a half to 16 times a game, but then what you get is the 10 targets like he's seen each of the last two weeks. Nice matchup here at 8200. I do like it. Zeke in this matchup against New England is a fantastic spot. Coming off of maybe his one, be- one of his better games on the year in terms of fantasy production because he gets in the end zone in both the receiving game and on the ground. Oh, but it's New England's defense. They rank 29th in pass or run defense. This is not a good run defense. This is a defense that has survived on their secondary and pass rush and the ability for their secondary to score and their offense to be good enough led by Tom Brady and and some weapons, I would say, in Julian Edelman and at points. Antonio Brown, a very brief half of a game, and Josh Gordon, a very brief like two and a half games some weapons, um, asterisks around the sum and weapons even then, Um, but it's a spot where they're just getting up big enough and then your defense scores one to two times a game, the other team can't run on you. They rank 29th in run defense according to Pro Football Focus. Um, Looking into it, they don't have a lot of good run stoppers in their front seven. It's a lot of good run stoppers in terms of their secondary, but that doesn't really help you when they're into the second unit. So Ezekiel Elliott is way too cheap at $7,500 here um, in that four o'clock game for this week. You have Le'Veon Bell on Bell here at 6,400. I'm confused. I know he played the season low in snaps in the 50% range, but he still saw 20 touches. So it doesn't really worry me all that much that the snaps are down if he's still being schemed into the offense the same way. He's seen now 25 touches, 22 and 20 each of the last three weeks. Three weeks ago was when he sat down with head coach Adam Gaze and said, I want a bigger role in this offense. And since then, He's gotten himself 67 touches in three weeks. I like that. He's 6,400 in a positive matchup against Oakland. A three-point underdog, sure, but he's going to catch the ball as well. You could probably slate Le'Veon Bellin for somewhere around three to four catches in this game. And at $6,400, he just stands out as a very good point-per-dollar play with the upside in this offense to have the goal line work as well as a receiving game role. I think the snap count goes up. I think you might even see more touches than 20 this coming week. Lastly, $5,200 Philip Lindsay is a fantastic play. Maybe the best value play on running back on the slate. There's just not a lot of options below 5K. So at $5,200, coming into last week, we saw that they said that they wanted to give Philip Lindsay more work. He saw 60-plus percent of the touches or 60-plus percent of the snaps, and he out-touched Royce Freeman 18-9. to This is how it should be. So far in the season, Philip Lindsay is averaging 0.9 fantasy points per touch to or to Royce Freeman's .79. So Lindsey's a guy that I want a lot of this week as of right now, early in the week. Buffalo's defense on the interior against the run has not been great over the last six weeks and then it's just a laundry list of maybes nick chubb is a maybe sure his passing game role might be diminished a bit with kareem hunt there and probably all the way taken away kareem hunt has ran 45 routes over the last two weeks since returning nick chubb has actually ran 38 but his routes are he's like not the priority on them well obviously nick uh, kareem hunt is more of the priority indicated by 13 receptions on 16 targets for hunt in the last two weeks and two receptions on four targets um for four yards for uh, Nick Chubb or five yards for uh, for Nick Chubb over that time. So he's still running routes, but he's just like the last option on those routes, like the fourth or fifth read, whereas Kareem Hunt's like the first or second read on his routes. And Kareem Hunt has also ran 11 routes out of the slot, just indicates and shows you more um, that he's not just being used out of the backfield. So it's easier for Hunt to be a priority on his routes when he's running and being schemed for out of the slot on about 24% of his snaps. But either way, Nick Chubb has still seen 47 rush attempts and 49 touches over the last two weeks. 49 touches in two weeks since Kareem Hunt has returned. Yes, the passing game upside might be gone, and you might not get your 3.7 targets per game like you have been getting out of Nick Chubb this season and the some games where you got four receptions out of Chubb, but you're probably going to get, as an 11-point favorite here, 22 to 25 touches out of Chubb. All the goal line work. So far, he has 11 goal line and red zone touches compared to Kareem Hunt's one. Yeah, uh, Nick Chubb is still fine at 8,100. The issue is I just prefer Alvin Kamara and Zeke and even Bell for a lot cheaper than Chubb, but he's still, I'm not worried about his role in this offense overall. Saquon Barkley is only going to be a low owned type of play that I, I go to if he is low owned and I imagine he will be. He's coming off of an injury, coming off of the bye, so hopefully he's a little bit healthier. The Chicago team that has been up and down on defense against the run, some weeks they're good, some weeks they're terrible. Last week they were very meh. I mean they held um, 25 carries for 98 yards is a pretty okay game for Todd Gurley and his standards. When you factor in his receiving game really at 133 total yards, so maybe there you could relate a little bit more to Saquon to have a good game. I usually like getting to Saquon. He probably comes in somewhere around 9-10% on this week and I think that's fine to get to get that or even a little bit more because we know the upside here if he got healthier over the bye, he said he's not going to get shut down the the coach and himself came out and said we're not shutting him down this season just his character the type of player he is i'm not wanting to just take off the rest of the year so yeah i mean it's okay to roster this guy i just think there's better options this week low ownership will be a way that i get to him uh josh jacobs is a three-point favorite i said it last week like he's going to be heavy chalk last week at a $6,900 price point that maybe was a little bit underpriced by like $300 or so but he relies on touchdowns like he can get you the 100 yards he'll probably catch two balls but when it comes down to it he's going to rely on touchdowns and he didn't get in the end zone now he's a three-point favorite against the jets against a tough run defense where i think he might catch another one or two balls and he needs to get in the end zone so with the price point coming up and a fire truck coming past my house excuse us while his fire truck comes by wow lots of things are going crazy out there well as a fire truck goes by you get a uh, Josh Jacobs now priced up to 7400 who once again relies on touchdowns in a tougher matchup and what I currently have projected as the slowest paced game on the slate between the Jets and the Raiders. So he's not a priority for me this week. If you get to him, it's okay. Again, there's just so many guys I prefer over Jacobs. I prefer paying down for Le'Veon Bell. Right there in the same price range for $100 more Zeke, $100 less is Leonard Fournette. I prefer all of them who have better pass catching roles and probably better matchups overall. Don't just rely on scoring touchdowns. Leonard Fournette here at 7,300, I talked about him, a brutal matchup and a slower pace game, the 2nd slowest pace game on the slate, but again, this guy's upside is just so good. In a bad game, when this team is trailing, he'll probably see five receptions for like 30 yards, and that just, help, that just helps you when you're not getting anything going. Obviously, it doesn't make your week, but it doesn't ruin a lot of your lineups, especially in cash, and then if Fournette is still due for this touchdown regression, I think still one touchdown in the year, doesn't seem like the regression is going to be coming at this point, going into week 12 but he's still due for something with the amount of overall touches he is seeing still top five on the slate and touches per game. He's not a priority for me. Those would be the guys that are in yes, which is bell Ezekiel Elliott in that same price range. And even Alvin Kamara getting down to some cheaper ranges. Now I have Derek Henry on here at 6,900. I'm going to make him a no. I will see where I get later in the week. He was a maybe, but he has a good matchup against Jacksonville. But other than that, it's just a, it's just a Derrick Henry spot where he sees 20 carries and he's overpriced in my opinion at 6,900. And if he scores a touchdown or two, he'll be a good play. If not, he'll probably end with like 85 rushing yards and you're just heavy really bad play in your lineup. David Montgomery I think is interesting this week a lot of people should be off of him he's going to be a a, a decent sized underdog coming into this one or a decent sized favorite a six and a half point favorite even if Trubisky is out it might even be better for him uh, Montgomery snaps have been going up and down depending on game script he's obviously easily game script out with Tariq Cohen behind him if they get behind they're going to use more Cohen but I do like going back to Montgomery who burned people two weeks ago and I imagine his ownership will be lower on a slate where hey Philip Lindsay might garner some ownership this week and he's the better play in my opinion but if ownership is going to be overwhelming on Philip Lindsay and not a lot on Montgomery I'll get at some shares of Montgomery next to the Philly running backs look Jordan Howard we'll see what his status is if he's out I'll go right back to Miles Sanders at 5k flat I prefer Philip Lindsay um, but I'll go right back to that well where he played 85% of the snaps last week and I just didn't use utilize him well hopefully they utilize him a little bit better moving forward Kalen Balaj, I have written here no interest I just want to discuss why he's likely a great leverage this week for those who avoid him Kalen Balazs is in the 4k range where there's no real good running backs in my opinion there's no real good running backs really below 5500 outside of probably Philip Lindsay and maybe Miles Sanders but only if Jordan Howard is out so if you have a $4,400 Kalen Balazs, people are just going to try and squeeze it in they're going to try and get up to McCaffrey any way they can maybe two top end running backs McCaffrey and Kamara and Bellage is the answer Bellage had 13 fantasy points last week and that's what the game log watchers and all the donkeys will see but you want to know what he did he had 14 touches for 17 yards Kalen Bellage had a ceiling game last week on 17 total yards a ceiling, game. you want to know why? Because he caught five balls for eight yards, a very odd stat line that I don't think continues and honestly a very pathetic stat line. If you catch five balls, how the hell do you not get more than eight yards? But anyways, and a touchdown. So this guy had 11 fantasy points on a touchdown and five receptions alone. He had 11.8 fantasy points on five catches and a touchdown. How do you not get more than that? I don't know, but people are going to chase him. Look, nine rush attempts for nine yards, five catches for eight yards last week. He's probably going to be, and he is a big underdog this week, an 11-point underdog. He'll probably see another 10 to 12 touches at best this week, and he'll do exactly what he did last week, except he won't catch five balls. Maybe he catches one or two. He probably won't find the end zone. And then you're stuck with a Kalen Balaj three-point game in your lineup. So yeah, if Kalen Balaj does not find the end zone last week, he ends up having 6.7 points in a week where he catches five balls in a point PPR league um, of DraftKings. So yeah, uh, Kalen Balaj is a no for me. I only have him here as a maybe because I wanted to make sure I discussed him. We'll make him an honorary no. But the point being on the leverages, people are going to look at the game logs. They're going to see there's no other starting running backs, quote-unquote, starting for Balaj. He had uh, nine carries last week. Um, it, it's not a spot where and I know he had 20 carries a week before but I don't expect him to be up by two scores most of the first half like they were that week and even then he was terrible with his 20 carries uh two weeks ago but if people are going to own him at like a eight last week he's 20 owned if they're going to go right back to him because they need value this week I will happily have zero percent because Kalen Balaj is a donkey I should actually he's probably a potato um donkey play trey edmonds is 3900 i don't want to play trey edmonds but he's the only 3k running back on a slate where there's no value and if james Conner is out if benny snell jr remains out then you're going to have just jalen samuels at 7200 who's overpriced for the role that he has of being a terrible running back but a good pass catching running back there's a difference jalen samuels is a terrible running back he's averaging 2.4 and i don't really like yards per carry but it's easy to show how bad he's been when he has 45 rush attempts for like 110 yards this year He's just been absolutely brutal, and you're not really going to get much better out of Trey Emmons. but he played 47% of the snaps over last week uh, by about 15% of the snaps over Jalen Samuels. So Trey Edmonds, if he gets 10 to 15 touches, 10 to 12 probably more realis- realistically, as a decent-sized favorite against the Bengals, you could do much worse in the 3K range. I don't really recommend touting him as a must-play at 3900 but if you're looking around in the 3K range for any sort of play, that is the one I would go to, although I'm not that high on it. Kareem Hunt I should touch on because I think a lot of people will like him this week. He's 5600 dollars What's the difference between Kareem Hunt and James White, except the fact that he's more expensive than James White now? Kareem Hunt has caught 13 balls and 16 targets over the last three weeks, but he only has 10 carries. So what Kareem Hunt is, is pretty much James White. He'll have like three or four carries in the game, and then he'll see seven targets. That's exactly what he's been the last two weeks. Now, you can pay $5,600 for a guy who has a low dot, like catching balls at the line of scrimmage, or you can just go somewhere else, like Philip Lindsay, who will also rush the ball 15 plus times and catch balls and probably better after the catch than Kareem Hunt. But you're getting Kareem Hunt here he's priced up. He's pretty much an overpriced slot wide receiver. Like he's going to see six or seven targets, like three line, three yards from the line of scrimmage on a good day. He'll catch five of those for like 35, 40 yards. And then he'll run the ball like four times for like 12 yards. So i don't really see the upside in kareem hunt if he scores a touchdown surely he might get there for you but i could say that about every single other running back on the slate if david montgomery scores a touchdown he'll get there for you if philip Lindsay scores a touchdown like right if that's your argument i could say that for everybody so kareem hunt is just pretty much james white except more expensive this week and i never roster james white because he is overpriced by about a thousand dollars every week because he's a slot wide receiver that sees six targets with an A a dot average depth of target on them of about two or three yards I actually thought Tariq Cohen would be an interesting play this week because Chase Daniels has targeted him 34 times in four starts, the most out of any current receiver, even Allen Robinson, 29 times, five more Tariq Cohen in four starts dating back to last year with Daniels as a starting quarterback. But Tariq Cohen's $4,800. Like he's not 4200 He's not 3800 He's not cheap. He, he's priced up to $4,800 for a guy who, if you're lucky, will see like six or seven targets in the game and like two or three carries. So probably not going to get there. Let's move over to wide receiver. Wide receiver now, before we get into it, if you could please hit that subscribe button. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. It helps out this channel a ton. So getting over to wide receiver now, we'll go through this. Tyler Lockett and Amari Cooper, you have to watch their injury statuses. We'll have interest in Tyler Lockett, likely going to get a lot of Amante Maddox in the slot. Michael Michael Thomas' price is now down, but similar to last week, it's down $600. Even if he goes out and scores 26, 28 fantasy points, toughest matchup of the year so far, in my opinion, against James Bradbury. It's still tough to envision Michael Thomas being needed because you saw John Brown went off last week. If any cheap receiver goes off, anybody below, honestly, anybody in the 7k range who are $2,000 cheaper, like Goblin, Evans, Odell, uh, Allen Robinson in good matchups. If any of these guys go off, you had last week, Calvin Ridley and John Brown on the cheap going off. You just don't need Michael Thomas because there's other guys who are two to three to $4,000 cheaper scoring just as many or very similar points. So I think Thomas is okay to get to, but I'm going to make him a question mark instead of a yes, because once again, you have a matchup for Mike Evans, who is $2,000 cheaper. And I'm pretty sure Mike Evans can get to 30 points the same, not the same amount of times, but a very good amount of the time compared to Michael Thomas for $2,000 less. I'd rather go there. And if it's not Mike Evans, maybe it's Odell getting 28 points this week. Maybe it's Calvin Ridley again. Maybe it's Julian Edelman getting 25, right? If Michael Thomas scores 28 points, he's probably not needed at 9,300 unless every other wide receiver somehow doesn't do well. And I don't think that's going to happen. Julio, Julio Jones, if you're paying up for a wide receiver is my favorite guy to pay up for Tampa Bay secondary just has nobody out there. Carlton Davis is not going to stand the chance against Julio last week. Julio did. Okay. Just missed a hundred yard bonus against James Bradbury. Who's one of the tougher cornerbacks you could face who Michael Thomas has this week. So I like Julio, Tom, Julio Thomas. I like Julio Jones this week. in what is again, projected to be a top two pace game on the slate for me. Evans and Goblin look if I have interest in in Jameis their quarterback I'm gonna get to Evans and Goblin this week I slightly prefer Mike Evans but again you can get to either of them they haven't been producing over the last couple of weeks but I don't think it's anything more of than just a small sample and maybe somewhat of a difficult matchup two weeks ago Odell at seven thousand dollars I do like against Miami I think he's too cheap. I think this is a good matchup for him. Nick Needham was looking very good. The Miami cornerback filling in for Xavier Howard until John Brown got him for five catches on 11 targets, 84 yards and a touchdown. Honestly, only giving up five catches on 11 targets is pretty decent um, with that much volume against you, but giving up a touchdown on 84 yards is not as great. I do like Odell this week. I think the price tag has come up, but it should be coming up. Allen Robinson, I hope Chase Daniel starts. I honestly do. I hope Chase Daniel starts. He's targeted Allen Robinson 16 times in two starts this season, 29 times if you date back to four starts from this year and last year. So that's pretty good volume overall in terms of how often he looks at Allen Robinson. And now you're going to get Allen Robinson against the Norris Jenkins, who... Norris jenkins over the last five weeks has been one of the better cornerbacks in the league believe it or not but he's also going to go into the slot about 30 percent of the time robinson he'll also see some deandre baker on the opposite hash mark who's been a bottom five cornerback in the league in terms of passer rating against i do like Allen robinson price tag has come up a little bit but i think it's fair calvin lee against tampa you can get to russell gage in the 3k range is a, a wide receiver that i do like getting to again like last week he doesn't get there he has a touchdown called back that he had in his hands and then he just drops going to the ground which was terrible the ground caused it but whatever um Russell Gage at 3,900, look, he's ran 90 routes over the last three games and they've been leading by like three scores in these games. So he doesn't have a reason or the, the Falcons don't have a reason to target him more in the slot. He has 13 catches and 17 targets in three games. And if they're not trailing or if they're not leading big in these games, he probably sees somewhere closer to like 21, 22 targets. So I feel comfortable projecting Russell Gage for a seven target game. If indeed this game stays close, like the four point spread indicates now to my maybes right on the edge was julian edelman for me he's probably like the only thing i want from um this new england game this week there's some cheaper value like Nikhil harry that might open up depending on philip dorsett's status but uh julian edelman too cheap price comes down like seven eight hundred dollars this week against dallas jordan lewis in the slot for dallas has been much better Um, but i still think it's a spot where the guy who leads the entire league in red zone targets and end zone targets edelman 18 red zone targets this year Is in a nice spot. Kenny Galladay, I don't have much interest in, but he will face Josh Norman. Jeff Driscoll is just not the type of guy that I trust to get the ball to Galladay, but his price tag is now down to 6,600, and I imagine he'll be like 1% or 2% owned, so I'm not going to get 10 of him in 10 of my lineups, but if I played 20 lineups, I'd probably have one Kenny Galladay share and feel good about that. I'd probably be double the field, honestly. DJ Shark is fine if you want to get to him against Adore Jackson this weekend. I'd probably go elsewhere after the price point comes up after a nice game, but he's still in a good spot. I think Golden Tate's in a sneaky good spot against Buster Streen, who's... Look, if you dig into Buster Streen, he's been good this season, but he's faced... This is like the the extent of Buster Streen's matchups. Trey Quinn, Danny Amendola, Geronimo Allison, like those are the types of players he's faced all season long, not the scariest of opponents by any means. Golden Tate's going to be the better, the best guy that he's faced yet in the slot that has been proven every single week to be the favorite target of Daniel Jones. James Washington is now a... Um, he's he's appropriately priced at $5,000 here. Like You might not get Juju or Deontay Johnson. Both are dealing with concussion issues. I imagine at least one of them misses. So he's not cheap at $5,000. This is the fair price point for a guy who's potentially going to be the wide receiver two on a team against the Bengals. But if he ends up being the wide receiver one and both Johnson and Juju miss, he's way too cheap for a guy who played 85% of the snaps last week. Going to have to face B.W. Webb on the outside, who is now a slot cornerback moved to the outside due to in- injuries to Drake or Patrick and some other cornerbacks that have gotten in, injured for the Bengals this year so keep an eye on the injury status of Pittsburgh's um, wide receivers now we're just getting into some cheaper value Taylor Gabriel will face a lot of DeAndre Baker this weekend he's been running a ton of snaps on the outside and he did not get to play with Chase Daniels so far this season he was injured for those two games Daniels played and started in. but last year he saw 15 targets from Daniels in two games If you want to wait that any bit, it's a nice spot against bottom five cornerback DeAndre Baker. Jordan Matthews, look, he's not a guy I really want to play, but I do want to point out that he did play 80 plus percent of the snaps last week. If Alshon Jeffrey misses again, I imagine this is the case once again, but you had two tight ends playing 90 plus percent of the snaps. Um, for the Eagles, they ran last year. They were the heaviest team in terms of two tight end sets, twelve personnel. It is called, and then this year, so far, they have been doing it just out of necessity because their wide receivers have been injured, and their backup wide receivers, and JJ Arcega-Whiteside, Mac Hollins, and even I mean, starting wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, all have been pretty terrible this season. Nikil harry at 3300 is interesting track door set status if he is out Nikil harry should jump um um jacoby myers who was a preseason standout but myers has been used more in the slot Nikil harry should be used on the outside more isaiah mckenzie has taken over the wide receiver two role for the buffalo but in a matchup against denver you're probably going to get mckenzie in a good matchup while you get um chris harris shadowing john brown so it's a millie maker type play only i write here he's 3200 i don't have much confidence in it but i do think he's secured the role enough he played a career high in snaps last week as a mckenzie Tim Patrick, minimum price. He caught four balls and 77 yards and zero touchdowns on eight targets last week. 70 plus, 73% of the snaps, I believe, to be exact. Uh, as the wide receiver two for Denver, it was his first game back from injury after being out all season long. Denver's needed a wide receiver two since Sanders has left. And now the only issue here is Brandon Allen throwing the ball. You're going to have Tredavious White shadowing and probably taking away for most of the game Cortland Sutton. So you have a much better matchup on the opposite hash mark for Tim Patrick. He's minimum priced. It's not a spot I have too much confidence in, but there is upside here. Like This is a guy coming off an eight target game where Brandon Allen Allen had an instant connection with him, and Tim Patrick is a big play receiver down the field. So minimum price, you're not going to find a better player on the slate at minimum price. You're probably not going to find a better upside play in the 3K range on the entire slate than Tim Patrick. Let's go over, or I should touch on a couple of guys that I have nose on. Uh, DJ Moore I'll have interest in if Marshawn Lattimore misses, track that status. Jarvis Landry, my concerns are that his price point is up to a season high across the entire industry, $6,300 on DraftKings. But the concerns are that Kareem Hunt's playing 24% of his routes, 11 out of 45 out of the slot, which has pushed uh, Jarvis Landry to the outside at receiver. And that's definitely not a spot you want Jarvis Landry. Less upside in terms of catch percentage, consistency in his fantasy production when he's not out of the slot where there's easier in catches at much higher volume. So he's only played 42% of his Um, snaps and routes out of the slot the last two weeks which is concerning and a lot of that has to do with kareem hunt coming in some of it probably with antonio callaway being suspended and also pushed out of the um, entire team i mean they cut the guy but also he wasn't playing the beginning of the year and jarvis landry was still in the slot 70 plus percent of the time so seeing landry drop down to 41.9 percent slot usage over the last two weeks since kareem hunt's been there is very concerning for his overall upside and now the price point is coming up on a guy whose usage is in my opinion becoming worse yeah i don't like that i probably avoid it to so the worst position of the weekend, and I mean the worst position tight end this week is disgusting. I have a lo- I usually have like three or four guys of an interest, right? But you don't have any of the top guys. I, mean, I guess you have two in Waller and Ertz, but you don't have guys that you can trust in Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Evan Ingram right now, I have him as a yellow next to his name if you're watching on the video because he's questionable, right? is the guy who was on a two to four week recovery this is week two of it and they say he says that he feels good but overall they're saying that he's probably not going to play so Zach Ertz stands out as the only guy who is a yes right now against the Seattle team that has struggled um, on this slate um, bottom three team against the tight end and Ertz obviously continues to play 90 plus percent of the snaps and be the number one priority in Philly's offense he's 6k you have to pay for him on a slate that lacks value it might be tough to prioritize paying up for a tight end but if you do I'd go up to Ertz Darren Waller against the Jets. The Jets have been very good against the tight end. Um, They have not faced a lot of good tight ends, though. But when they have faced decent guys, they've shut them down. Waller, though, still a fine skill set. It's just tough to want to pay all the way up for Waller and just not get to Ertz for the security. I think Ertz has a higher floor and ceiling in this matchup. Then it's just a laundry list of guys who I just have middling interest in, like punt options. Jacob Hollister's look good for Seattle, but you have to track Ed Dixon's status. He was a game-time decision and did not play last week. If he plays this week, there's a chance that he cuts into Jacob Hollister's snaps a lot. Ryan Griffin, I know he's been good, but now he's priced up in another good spot now. It keeps pulling over. Um, we, we have to get this figured out. It keeps pulling over Tampa Bay's Ryan Griffin, the quarterback. So I have to find Ryan Griffin, the tight end here, so we can get his official price. Official price on Ryan Griffin, the tight end, is 4200 so not 4300 So there we go. We'll just quickly and manually adjust that here. It's gonna change some of the stuff for Ryan Griffin in terms of the other things next to him. But New York Jets I uh, manually typed this in against Oakland. So, Ryan Griffin at 4,200, he's still priced up. Like, this is a guy who had a good game last week, caught all five of his passes for a touchdown and 109 yards. And then two weeks before that, he caught um, four of his passes and two of them were touchdowns. So, he's relying on very low volume. You're just seeing a very lucky, I would say, touchdown upside over the last couple of weeks. I have interest in it because he is still seeing volume, especially around the red zone, and he seems to have a chemistry with Sam Darnold in terms of catching the passes, right? He's leading him properly, but. It's not a spot that I rely on the volume. If he becomes chalky this week, he's an easy fade. And then you have Greg Olson, um, Dawson Knox, these guys who are going to rely on touchdowns. Mike Iseki played a career high in snaps last week. It, it resulted in a very mad game, though. You have David Njoku potentially coming back. They should also hurt Jarvis Langer, who we were just talking about. Track David Njoku's status. They said early in the week that they want to, and we'll touch on this later in the week on the Friday Closing Thoughts show and Sunday's Closing Thoughts, or Friday Final Thoughts show and, and Sunday's Closing Thoughts podcast on Patreon. You can get that linked up down below if you want to sign up for Patreon. But David Njoku, um, if he's healthy, he's a nice spot. I really do like Vance McDonald. I'm actually going to make Vance McDonald a yes. He'll be the only other yes with Zach Ertz right now. Look, he's better one of the better tight end plays. Look, if James Conner is out, which it seems trending that way. Okay, so there's a pass catcher in the short to intermediate range gum. If Juju misses a slot wide receiver, there's another guy in the short to intermediate range gun. Um, and, and if even Dante Johnson misses, obviously, then the offense becomes much more compressed. Vance McDonald over the last month of the season since he's returned is number two in routes run only behind Greg Olson. Obviously, there's some bye week factor in there for some of the top end guys but number two in routes run for tight ends he's running a ton of routes he's running like 30 routes per week if not more right now he's one of the better tight end plays on the slate if you indeed get probably the biggest piece of this would be juju smith schuster in the middle of the field out i would like vance mcdonald against the Bengals, who again uh, just terrible against really any um buddy they have no pass rush they have no secondary they have no run stop they're just a terrible defense overall ranked 31st so nice spot for vancy mcdonald so Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll leave this on the target offense sheet. You can also get a copy of this over on Patreon. Please hit the subscribe button before you go. It helps me out a ton. Let me know in the comments, who do you think is the best value running back play of the week? If you're still here, I appreciate that. If you are still here and you want $100 off my daily fantasy NFL course, linked up down below, or actually not linked up down below, just comment on this video and I will get that to you. If you're listening on the podcast, reach out via Twitter at Salvation DFS for it. Follow on Instagram for exclusive free giveaways. Um, free giveaways meaning just like opening up some of the Patreon content. That is Sal Vetri. That is also linked up down below. Download the free strategy, guys. Check out Patreon. And before you do leave, if I can urge you one more time, hit the subscribe button in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. If you're listening on the podcast, five-star rating reviews help me the most over there. It helps me reach more people, continue to be able to produce this free content. So thank you so much. My name is Sal Vetri. You guys already know that. Have a great rest of your week. I'll be back later in the week with more NFL content. Peace out, gang.